0: To our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at Newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. How many of you are excited about the last part of our series? Here, My Lord Send Me? Let me know if you're out there. Come on, somebody. Hey, again, happy Palm Sunday. This is the final part, not only in the series, Hear My Lord Send Me, but in a spiritual journey that we've all been on, starting with our series, Missio Dei, The Mission of God, and leading into Hear My Lord Send Me, and it has been a pastoral series. Something that I believe is the heart of God that we needed to put into you so you could be everything that God needs you to be. Now, here's the deal. We have Easter next week. Can you believe that? That's crazy. And then after Easter, we're starting a new series called Now Trending. If you know anything about New Chapel, we poll you on Easter Sunday and ask you what you want to hear about. It's a big deal. We want to answer the questions that you have on your heart and mind. And so the week after Easter is for baptisms, yes, but it's also a new series called Now Trending, an ideal series to bring people to because we answer some of the hot topic questions that people have about Christianity, about their faith, and about God. But this journey of of understanding God's great mission is, is really the journey to realize that God didn't have to make the discernment in between saving us, And then activating us to be people to share what God has done in our lives. Something that we do often here at New Chapel is we put our vision before you, before our people. If you're new, we say it this way. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Now, most evangelical churches in America, they're great with the first line of that statement. We're for people to connect with God, and they connect them and connect them, and they step over people to connect more, and they just want more connections. And I want to connect you with God. It's a huge deal. But we want to raise you up to new life in Christ. We want to show you what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. And it is to engage you in a grand spiritual journey that God has every person on. He wants them to write it down to know God. You're like, Pastor Joe, I've heard this before. Get it in you. Get this in your spirit. You need to know him, not know about him, not know facts about him, not come to a building that's all about him. God wants to know you and have you know him personally. He wants a personal relationship with you through his son, Jesus. Amen, somebody? This is what it's all about, what it's all focused. Everything begins here And this is more than dead religion, it's a true relationship. Once you know God, he wants to take you to the next step, which is to find freedom. That is to say, we all have a past, we've all done things, we've all had things done to us, false accusations said about us, we've had to face hard things, and that's stuff that's in our past, and for some of us in the room, many of us in the room, it's something that's in our life right now. Whether it's just occupying real estate in your head or whether it's something that you can't get free of, God wants to help you to find freedom, and that's really part of the spiritual journey. One of the great ways that we work that out at New Chapel is through a system that we call New Chapel Connect. It's actually happening right now. I help somebody find their way to the classroom, and it's, uh, it's held during church. We do that on purpose. We think if you take one Sunday, one morning, and even if you don't come to a worship service before or after, but during 9 or 11, you go back to New Chapel Connect, it's a Sunday well spent because that's where you join the church, sure, but it's also where we put tools before you to find out what God's great purpose is for your life. And that's the third step, is to discover purpose. Once you find freedom, purpose bubbles up within you. And we invite you into that journey because you were created on purpose, for a purpose. You need to know what it is. It's critical so you know what God's called you to do with this life. And that is the fourth step of this, which is to make a difference. Every one of us is called to make our mark on this world. Like your life matters, how we live matters, what you're doing. And your life will never make sense until you're able to see what God has called you to do and until you're able to see the fruit of what God has called you to do. Can the church say amen? So that's the calling on our life, and it is paramount. And here's why. Because in this world, you need to have a firm grounding on truth, on who you are, your identity in Christ, because there is a whole lot of shaking going on in culture. Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't have to look far to see some of the dysfunction in our world. Why do we need it? Because of school shootings. Because of moral decay. Because of uncertain times. Because of leaders that couldn't lead their way out of a wet paper bag that are deciding the direction of our nation. And friend, it is a time where there is shaking happening. I have... An answer for that. The Bible has answers for these themes. It's in Psalm 112, starting in verse 5. Let me read it for us. The Bible says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So you're generous, you lend freely. Like, not everything that you have is for you. Not all of your money, sure, but this isn't just money. You have time. You have resources. You've got other things at your disposal. And what you need to do is just decide it's not all just for you and your consumption. God has more. Who conducts his affairs with justice. So you're thinking about the manner that you're living your life. And here's what it says. Surely he will never be shaken. Well, Pastor Joe, you can't make the claim that we'll never be shaken. No, listen to me. Yes, I can. You can live a life where you are not shaken. I can't stop the shaking from happening in this world or around you. But you can become a person in Jesus that when the world is shaken, you are standing firm. Can I hear an amen, somebody? That you cannot be shaken. You can have a resolve. In the midst of everything, you have something solid, to stand on, God's word, the relationship with him that can carry you through anything. Amen, somebody? Now, if you don't define what your life is all about, the problems that knock at everybody's door, they will define your life. You'll be defined by the next issue. If you can't see past your nose to what God has for you, you'll just deal with the next issue It's along your way, and God has called you for something great on this planet. You don't want to let those things define you, because here's the deal. When problems define your life, and it's just dealing with the next problem, dealing with the next issue, same stuff, different day, you know, when you get into that mode, it not only defines you, but it destroys your life. There's no trajectory. There's no aim to your life. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? We need to know this great thing that God is calling. So it says this in Psalm 112. Surely he will never be shaken. Now check this. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Now unless the Bible's specifically talking about a man, a man, it's talking about mankind. It's talking about you. It's talking about men and women that your life can be remembered forever. You say, well, I don't need that, Pastor Joe. No, listen, God says you do. God wants your life to have an impact. Even if they don't know your name, they can feel your impact on what you did for God's kingdom. Say amen, somebody. Well, who gets to do that? Those people that wake up and say, okay, God, here am I, Lord. Send me. On mission with Pastor Eric, uh, we got a lot of opportunity to talk with one another. And uh, one time we had this big crusade with thousands of people. It's just amazing. And the next day, Kind of had a holy hangover, if you know what I'm talking about, like disorienting. We had three hours of sleep. We're trying to like hit up a ride for the next church. Our driver canceled. There was a whole thing, and and I looked over at him and said, "What would your dad think about all of this?" Now let me give you some family history. Pastor Eric's dad, his name was Royal Harvey, and Royal was uh, I don't know if he was like the boy named Sue from Johnny Cash song or what, but my man had a temper. He knew how to fight and the mud, and the blood, and the beer, you know, I mean, he was just rough, and, and he, was a, he was a builder, a construction guy, and, uh, and, and to, be, to be truthful, terrorized his family with his temper, and, and with alcoholism. Later in life, like late in life, he accepted Christ as his Lord, and his life changed. In fact, he became enamored with praying for people, and helping people to find deliverance, and praying for people's salvation. He went on mission trips, uh, through his church, they would say, hey, we're, we're building an orphanage or we're building a Bible school. And he'd go there. And as a builder, he'd put it together. And I've heard so many great stories about that. And, and at the same time, you know, you change overnight, but it's difficult to change from being the old man. Do you know what I'm talking about, Christian? And, and your heart's changed and you want godly things, but there's some old behaviors. And, and so there's this saying that Pastor Eric, this story that he conveyed to me that... Uh, Royal's wife, Grandma Irene, would say, Royal, are you upset? And he'd say, no, I'm feeling fine. I so, well, you got your angry face on, Royal. Why do you have your... He'd you say, I feel happy, you know. And, <laughs> and, and so it kind of became a little bit of a, a family philosophy we'll share with each other. You know, hey, you got your angry face on, and you need to smile a little bit. And, and you know, he wasn't perfect. Even when he passed away, not everything was perfect in his life. And should the Lord tarry and I pass away at a ripe old age? Not everything's gonna be perfect in my life. See, we think that God wants perfection in everything. You better figure it out, you better act right perfectly before you die, otherwise, it's gonna be the switch. You know, what I mean, well, it's not like that. He's happy to have your heart. He rejoices that the work is begun. And so I don't know, I've never met Grandpa Royal, but I named my eldest son after him. Aurelio's name is Aurelio Royal Bevelacqua. You thought I was just bougie-bougie. No, it's a family name. Family name. Now I can imagine that God gives him insight in heaven, even though you weren't all that. Like Hebrews 11 says, they died in faith believing, having yet attained the promise. He still took quality steps towards God. He engaged in the mission. Well, what happened? Many of you don't know this, but Pastor Eric was actually the last of Royals' four children that accepted Christ, And the only one to go into ministry. He was a family pastor and a missions pastor for 25 years. He brought his family along with him to set up and tear down and and get things ready for church and to teach uh, Sunday school. Kaya says that when she was about eight years old, she was doing check-in for kids' church. And that sounds a lot like New Chapel today, everybody. (laughs) And, and, and so Kaya became a person who was on mission because her dad was on mission. Her mom was on mission. And, and then I think about how, like, we found each other and, like, we are on mission together. I was running after Jesus. Kaya's running after Jesus. We looked over there like, perfect. <laughs> Thank God she's pretty, you know. Like, and, and then I think about my kids. Like, they're, they're being raised in a church that's really taken an interest in teaching the next generation that values it. Uh, They're being raised, and I thought about their perspective, how their mom and dad are preaching pastors, how their uncle and aunt are pastors, how their other uncles and aunts love the Lord and are engaged in church, how their grandfather is, yes, a pastor for 25 years, but now is a sent one to the nations who has preached on five out of the six inhabited continents of this world and how whose grandpa helped build orphanages all around the world. Think of the perspective. But it didn't feel that way in 1980-whatever when Royal accepted Christ. Probably just felt like he needed to renew his mind. I got to stop smoking, you know. And, and like, you know what I'm talking about? So those of you that are like, oh, man, I don't know if I belong in this church. I'm still rough around the edges. You're in good company The proof of God's faithfulness is standing in front of you today. You don't have to be perfect for God to be loyal. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Say amen, somebody. Well, now what do we have? We have generations of of people serving God together. Should the Lord tarry, I pray that for you because you can make a difference with your life. If you only knew what living for God would do for you, so many of your problems would just go away. It's not that living for God makes like problems stop knocking at your door. No, they will knock. But what happens is how big your God is in your life. The Bible says, "Magnify the Lord." Right? When He's magnified in your life, and you're you're on mission with Him and focused on Him, all those other problems are just dwarfed. They don't even matter. In fact, you take it to God and prayer, just gets answered without all of your anxiety, without all oh God, please, all that junk. You're just like God. You know, like just solve this, Lord, because I've got to do this great thing for you. Does that make sense to anybody? And, and some of you are truly facing issues. I don't want to diminish that. There are family issues and financial issues and job issues. The, the problems of this earth are like number one on your list. Problems are there. I get it. But the secret to solving our problems, to living a life that's relatively problem-free, is to have something in your life that's bigger than your problem. That's the key. That's the solution. And this is what your life is all about. Your life is all about making the eternal difference. What about the blessings of God? What about his promises? Yes and amen. Well, Pastor Joe, what, what about fun? What about vacation? Nothing wrong with those things. Those are the extras. God doesn't have a problem with any of those things, but that's not what your life is about. If your life is living for the next time you get to get out of Michigan... A, I get it because of the weather. But B, that's not living your life. I just want to get down to Florida. We're going to have fun. Let my hair down for a little bit. Then I'm going to come back, get back to normal. Listen, you're not living your life. You think you're living your life because you're anticipating a week? Friend, God has more for your existence here on earth than waiting to go hang out in Fort Myers in your awful bikini. You know, like, God has more. Say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, I sit in the office of a pastor. That's where I sit. And the metaphor often used in the Bible is a pastor is a shepherd. We lead people. We guide you. So I have a call of God to guide you into the good things that God has for your life. Now, at New Chapel, we preach every single week a a life-giving message, a message that we hope applies to your everyday life. That's why I got my little check marks and points. But although we spend most of our time talking about things that apply to your life, actually, when we think about your life, it is not the majority of your life. Your life on earth and helping you get through it is important. We'll still do that. But the majority of your life is in eternity. It's beyond this life. Do you, do you know? Most Christians don't know that. That is a huge deal. And so the vast majority of your life is beyond there. It tells me that me as a pastor, I... Need to prepare you for eternity because you're going to stand before God one day. So, what the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 14, let me read it for us. You then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Why do you focus on all the stuff that's wrong in their life? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. By the way, that's going to be an amazing day. Because there's going to be a moment where atheists and and other world religions are going to say, Oh my goodness, Jesus was God. And you want to be on the right side of that. Each of us will, each, 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 each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us are going to have the opportunity. So, so like, the question is then if that's what's coming for everybody, what's that going to look like, Pastor Joe? Prepare me for that. You're helping me to deal with, like, my job and routines and what. That's all good. We want to give you practical things. You're going to stand before God, you will have your day in court. And you want to know what that looks like. Let me tell you. Uh, Back when I was in school, uh, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. I didn't do terribly well, but I was happy to be there. In fact, uh, my nieces, they're in middle school. They came up to me and said, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe. I said, what's going on? Look at my report card. I did pretty well, but I got two Bs. I said, that's no big deal. I got two Bs in middle school too, you know, like, except for me, it was the highlight, you know, and and so I loved school, uh, but one of my favorite teachers, one of my favorite classes that I ever had was a history class uh, taught by Mr. Gormley. Mr. Gormley was, uh, A, he was a believer. Didn't find that out until years after I graduated. But I should have known, right? And he was just a dynamic person. He was funny. Um, I I was totally engaged in his class. Actually had to switch to his class a quarter way through the semester because your pastor got caught cheating on one of the tests in Mrs. Bowles' history class, which she's an awful teacher to this day. And so, um, oh, sorry, did I say that or think that? Anyway, but... uh, just kidding. But Mr. Gormley was phenomenal, and he had this like, philosophy where he gave you a little note packet stapled together, and it had all the notes for his class with fill-in-the-blanks. And if you trekked with what he was teaching and filled-in-the-blanks, he said, you can take that note sheet, whatever it looks like, and you can have that open with the test. And by the way, the note sheet is the test. You might be like, oh, man, that sounds like lightweight school. For somebody like me, the way that I learn... I remember more from his history class than from so many other teachers that I ever sat under. So I took diligent notes because I felt like I was cheating. Sometimes if you make it naughty for me, it's purposeful. And so I'm filling in the blanks, and I'm happy as a lark, and it gets to the test. I aced that test. It was amazing. And here's what I found. Some people, they would like freak out on a test, but they wouldn't because they have the note sheet. I didn't freak out on a test. I came from a small town. And so I didn't know all that stuff. And so the note sheet helped me. Here's the point. Having the answers for the test helps with the test, whether you're a smart doobie or whether you're a normal person like your pastor. Make sense, everybody? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the questions that are going to be on the test, and I'm going to feed you the answers that are going to be on the test. You're welcome. That's God's goodness to you because you are going to face a two-question test. Write this down. First question that you're going to face might not be phrased this way, but it definitely is this question. God's going to ask you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Write that down. What did you do with Jesus? So, so, so God sent Jesus into this world, and he paid the price on the cross for the worst sinner. Did you know that? That your sin has been paid for. It's been dealt with. Some people think, even in Christian circles, that hell is a place that God sends people that he's mad at, that he doesn't like, that, well, you're on the opposite team, and so I'm going to send you to hell. I want to hurt you. Not like that at all. In fact, there's a lot of people that are going to go to heaven that aren't relatively good people yet, but they're forgiven. Why? Because they approached God's throne of grace and they did something with Jesus. See, hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where people go to pay for their own sin. That's what it is. You, by birth, are born into relationship with the God of this world. Who's that? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, Corinthians, that Satan is the God of this world. Now, here's the good news. Jesus went to that cross. He died. Here's the better news. He rose from the dead, ratifying salvation. And when you go into relationship with him, Satan is no longer the god of your world. He might be the god of this world, but you can withdraw from this world, relationally connect with him, and that relationship is strong enough to take you to heaven. But listen to me. What did you do with Jesus? Did you engage in a relationship with him, because God's going to say something to the effect of, hey, I sent my son to this world, and he died for you, and all I want in return is, and you're going to say what? Perfection, holiness. No, receive him. He gave his life for you. He's just looking for you to be like, hey, here's my life. That's what you need to do with Jesus. Revelation 20 is very telling because a lot of people aren't going to have the right answer. It says this in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And check this, books were opened. Books. So, so everybody's going to be there at this moment, but books are open. And then another book. So there's books, like a stack of books, and then there's another book which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. And that, by the way, friend, is the one you're trying to avoid. This great white throne judgment is a judgment of, for the world, their works, and it doesn't add up. You don't want that to be the case. You want to have your name in the book. What is the book? It is the Lamb's Book of Life. By the way, the Bible says nothing about your name being written there. Did you know that? It talks about names being blotted out. Why? If he paid the debt for the worst sinner, the provision is all in the book. But when they die, having not received that gift, it forces the hand of God to blot their name out. Wow. He does not, in fact, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. You want your name found in the Lamb's book of life, and you avoid a judgment of works, and you receive a judgment that's full of grace. It's all about him, not what you did. It's all about what he did on the cross, what he provided for you. Can I hear an amen? That's a grace judgment for the believer and a works judgment for the world. You can't earn it. You can't go to church enough for it. You can't memorize enough scriptures. You can't get baptized enough. i baptized some people at this church three or four times because the first couple didn't take. You know, but like, you can't get baptized enough for it to take for eternity. It is all about him. What's your part? You just receive it. I just receive what God has done in my life. Say amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, how do I know that my name is written there? Well, the Bible says this. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Y'all look at me. This is going to be a problem for some people. In fact, the book of James says that even the demons call him Lord and shudder. So it's not about you having a poetry slam or even acknowledging that he's Lord. It's making him your Lord. It's totally different. Not everybody that says the words are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do a whole bunch of Christian things? By the way, when you get to heaven and you're at a grace judgment, don't talk to God about how cool you are and all the cool stuff you did. Right? Just cliff notes, okay? Did we not prophesy, drive out demons, perform miracles? And I'll tell them plainly the whole point. We need to know each other. It's not about what you know, what you do. It's not about what you know. It's who you know. I never knew you away from me, evildoers. It is about relationship with God. Can I hear an amen, church? That's the point of all of this. It's not magic words, and we lead you in a prayer, and you can say it sincerely and be saved. I believe that. I banked my life on it. But on the other end, there's people that come in, and they acknowledge that he's God, and they even fear him in a way, but they want to do their own thing. And friend, you're not describing Christianity. Christianity is theocracy. You don't have a vote. I got to wrap this thing up. Woo! Okay. When it says I didn't know you, the Greek word there is gnosko. It is a vibrant knowing. We didn't know each other. And it's not a knowing, it's a knowing. Not knowing about him, it's knowing him, to love him. Not just singing about him or reading about him, to know him. And so, the two question test what's the right answer? Write this down. The right answer, you could say something like this I knew him personally. Uh, I knew him. I turned to him every day. I banked my existence on him. He was the priority relationship in my life. I love him. That's the answer to this question, and some of you need to do that today. It would be a shame if you didn't, because then you have to pay for your own sins, and that's a tragedy because Jesus already did. Got to press on. When we respond to a relationship with Jesus, we are invited into eternity, into heaven. So, this first interaction, this judgment, is is to be a telling thing of whether you're saved or not, and it helps you avoid a works judgment. In theology, the second judgment is quite a bit different. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, also called the Bema seat if you are in King James. And it's not about your eternal destiny. This judgment is also not a grace judgment. It is one that is all about your works. Again, it doesn't decide whether you go to heaven or not, but it's all an evaluation of your life. The two-question test, God will pose a question something like this. What did you do with the life that I gave you? Friends, you're facing two questions. What did you do with Jesus, and what did you do with your life? These are going to be presented in front of you. Now, for the Christ follower, you will answer this, and I want to set you up for success. 2 Corinthians 5.10, what does the Bible say? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. Now, this is a, a passage that's written to Christians So it's not talking about everybody. The first chapter in Romans, it's it's for everybody, Christians and non-Christians. This one's just for Christians. So we're all going to be there, and God wants you to receive what is due you. Now, in the Greek, what it would convey is this. God wants to pay you back. Now, if you got a little bit tight when I said that, that's on you. But here's the heart of God. He's so excited to reward you. In fact, he can't wait for it. What does it say in Matthew 16? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. The Bible says in King James, he's coming with his reward. This is like the dad that's so excited about the bike for his kid's birthday. He can't wait. He leaves the store. I got a bike. Let's go. Like, he can't wait. Jesus wants to reward you. He he is, listen to me, your God is a rewarder. He wants to reward you. He wants to take this evaluation be like, thank you for standing up when nobody else did. Thank you for opening your church when everybody else was closed. Thank you for sharing my good news. Thank you for being on mission. It means the world to me. He wants to convey his gratitude to his kids. Say amen, somebody. But this is also where people get confused. say, well, Pastor Joe, I thought you were just talking about grace and free gifts, and now you're talking about works and how my life matters. Which is it? Look at me. Yes grace and free gift that's eternity again all on Jesus right you just receive it if you did nothing good after that if you did nothing but bad but you received Jesus that's enough but once you're saved God has called you to do something great he wants to open your eyes Ephesians 1 says to this dynamic and vibrant calling of a life he wants you to do great things with your life and yes he wants to reward you for it Say amen The right answer is this. What did you do with the life that I gave you? You would answer something like this. I gave my life away. I gave my life away. Before Jesus is in your life, your life, your purpose of your life is all about finding Jesus. After you have a relationship with Jesus in your life, your life is all about getting on God's great mission and making an eternal difference with him. Amen, church? Now, I'm going to give you an interesting thought about all of this and then some practical points. I think it's really going to help. Ecclesiastes says this in Ecclesiastes 3, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. So by the way, whether or not I ever preach this to you or you ever read this in the Bible, there'd be something in you that has a pull towards something greater, towards something that is transcendent, meaning it's beyond this natural life. Because it's in you. He set it in you. You can go to places in this world. I've now been on several continents. And where there's even no religion, there's a pull within them. And you'll find people worshiping. They might be worshiping themselves or their culture or art or other things. But there's a pull towards something that's transcendent, a purpose in their life. God has set eternity within you. Say amen. Without knowing what to do, though, with that pull towards eternity, what's going to happen? People will live their lives spontaneously. They'll live it uh, intuitively by happenstance. They'll live it uh, in survival mode. And I want to present to you today, God wants you to live it intentionally on mission. So if we're going to stand before God, and you will, and you're going to give an account for your life and your actions, and you will, and if you're going to have only a short amount of time left on this earth, and you do, We need to figure out how to live our life intentionally on mission. Three thoughts about this, and I want to pray for us. Number one, how do we do it? You need to say within yourself, well, I'm going to intentionally give what I have. I'm going to intentionally give what I have, Pastor Joe. Here's the idea. God is not going to judge you and hold you accountable to give what you don't have. That's not how God works. But he is going to hold you accountable as a steward giving what you can give, what you do have. And it's, again, not just money. I'm not taking an offering at the end of this message. It's about everything. You have time on your hands. You have breath. If you have breath in your lungs, you should give some encouragement. If you've got arms, you got to give somebody a hug. you got thumbs, send somebody a text. Quiet. But uh, for anybody that's waiting for one for me, uh, I think about technology. Think about the world that we live in with technology Where this morning when I woke up at 5 a.m. And I'm praying to the Lord and I was going to do my little check-in on Facebook here I opened it up and the church that I was preaching on uh, Or at at Rome had a live feed And I'm watching them live in Europe What the world Anybody else in the room remember long-distance calling your parents being furious about long-distance calling? Yeah, I remember my dad went out to the, the supply box in the house and cut the cord because he got a $500 bill because Jamie was racking up with long-distance call. Young people, you have no idea what I'm even talking about. Cords, charges, you know, you think this all comes free like it's a right. It's not. But anyway, not my message. Idea being technology has increased. We have a responsibility, I think about, like, my perspective has changed. I was on three different continents in the last several weeks, preaching the gospel. I was on a chair flying through the clouds (laughs) at 600 miles an hour. I mean, like, think about it, right? And, and, And then, like, although I had to pay for it with a lot of jet lag, I was here preaching on Sunday morning hours after I was in another continent. Like, think about that. We have to be accountable for the technology we even have access to. And with all of this, there's responsibility, because you're rich. If you live in America, you're rich. Trust me from a guy whose eyes have been opened on the foreign mission field. With houses with no roofs, with them not counting their kids' age because the infant mortality rate is... They don't put clothes on them, and they're just wetting in the... It's just... You're rich. Are poor people in America, you're loaded. In fact, I convinced poor people have more money than me, but you know what I'm talking about. If you live in western Michigan, you're even more rich because we're not dirty like Detroit. This is the right side of state to be on if you're going to be on one. If you're at New Chapel on a Sunday morning, you're very rich. Come on, somebody. God has blessed us. In 2 Corinthians 9, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. On every occasion, and with your generosity, with the way that you're living your life, it's going to result in thanksgiving to God. There's a reason why God has blessed you. There's a reason why he's resourced you. And I'm not diminishing financial strain or debts. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. You've been made rich in every way. There's more ways than just financially. And that generosity that you need to have out of your heart, the mission of God expressed needs to do something. What does that look like, Pastor Pastor Joe. Two thoughts. Number one, if you're not already, become a percentage giver. There's no pay to play here at New Chapel. In fact, more of the people that get my attention than anybody else are the people who are on a team. We currently still have no rich people. If you have anyone rich in your family or friend circle, please, God, invite them to church. But we're supported by the rank and file of normal people. You think percentage giving, that's extreme. extreme. You'd be surprised how many people you're sitting around right now that honor God with 10% of their gross income, and they say this, I cannot give God. I can't afford not to tithe. The 90% with God's blessing goes further than the 100% with my ideas. And so I'm not pushing you or leaning on you. We show no sad videos to solicit money from you. We simply say, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus what your part to play is. Second thing is acts of kindness cards. How can you be generous, especially this week? Uh, these might have been in your weekly. They're acts of kindness cards. What do they mean? How do they work? Uh, if you're at Starbucks, you go up to the drive-thru, and uh, you get your total. and You might ask them, hey, what's the total of the person behind me? They're going to say, six, seven bucks. And you're going to say, is that for like 12 drinks? And they're going to say, no, and that's a whole other sermon. But... Uh, they six, seven bucks. Okay, I'll pay it. Give them this little card. Tell them, tell them I'm praying for them. You pay for their drink, and then they get the card. Not hands-on. And here's what it literally says on the card. Just something extra to show you God loves you. Not, have you heard the good news? I mean, it's, just, it's not pushy at all. Just something extra. Go to a restaurant this week. Christians are notoriously poor tippers. Uh, waiters don't like to serve on Sundays. I say that with one caveat. New Chapel, you're the most generous church in the world, so I wouldn't put it past you to be very generous. But go out today. Go out this week and not only leave a tip that would be appropriate. By the way, if you're old, two bucks is not tip. Tip isn't Greek for two bucks. Anyway, give a good tip and then give a whole bunch on top of that. Some of you guys can put down a 50, put down a hundred dollar bill. You put that little card on it. It's just something to show you God loves you. Something about that will do something to your soul spiritually. I just how else to put it than just that. Gotta move on. Number two. So number one, I'll intentionally give what I have. Number two, I'll intentionally serve others. Now, some of you are new to New Chapel, and, and I'm so happy you're here. If you're new to church, I give you permission to just be here and 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 listen to the worship, and hear the messages, and let God do something to your heart. You have my full permission. Maybe you're recovering from past Christian wounds. I get it. You just sit back and recover and receive from the Lord. But if you've been at New Chapel for a while, I am calling you up off your blessed assurance and calling you into the ranks. You need to be a person that says, hey, coach, I'm ready, send me in. What does that look like? Join the go team, start serving. Join a team at this church. Start to park a car. Get into a group. Put me in, coach. Why would you want to do that? Because Jesus did it for you. Matthew 20. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must first become your servant. We're a kingdom of servants. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just As the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Why do you need to join the go team? Because your Jesus was on the go. He was serving other people, and he wasn't thinking about his time and his... I don't have time, Pastor Joe. You don't get it. God will pay you back more time. You're not going to lose with God. You think he's going to penalize you for taking a step of faith? No way. That's not God. You need to trust him. So what do you do? Write it down. Join the go team. Do it today. You get into settings like this and God starts speaking to you and you're like, yeah, I need to do something. And I'm telling you, this afternoon, you're not going to feel like doing it. But we don't walk by what we feel. We walk by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Join the go team. Join the go team. Do something with your life that lives on. Second thing, serve it in outreach. This week, we have an outreach. I need 20 people. That means 10 people from this service. I need you to leave this room after we dismiss and sign up over at guest services to put up door hangers. It's what we need. We we need you to serve. We're kingdom of servants. Last thing, third thing, write this down. You need to say within yourself, I will intentionally share Christ. I'm gonna give what I have. I'm gonna serve other people. And Pastor Joe, I'm gonna intentionally serve Christ. Why bring this up? Glad you asked. This coming Sunday is Easter. Two out of every 52 Sundays at New Chapel, I put an ask out there. If you call yourself a partner, all hands on deck. I ask you to bring somebody with you twice a year. You need to know what the thrill of having somebody who's de-churched or unchurched or far from God sitting next to you the sweat that you feel you're going to feel like pastor joe you better bring it you better have all those checkpoints baby come on they better not embarrass me do anything wild you know like <clears throat> your mind is going to be on it and when i say heads bowed eyes closed i know you are looking you're like what's up you know like and it's okay because when your friend accepts christ lifts their hand tear comes down their face that's your favorite day at church You need to know what the thrill is of being somebody who's on mission with God and you see the fruit that comes right after that. We're called to be his ambassadors. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. We're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. Why us? I don't know why us, but that's how he's doing it. Luke 14, Jesus says, go out into the country, urge Anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Everybody say full. I like to go to the movie theater, and I want nobody else there. Especially in front of me, and I have my feet up there till the moment they sit down, okay? That's not how God is. We want space around us. God wants his house full of his kids. And then it says this. The Bible says in Mark 16, he says... Go everywhere and tell everyone. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everybody. He wants you to be on mission. That, my friend, is what your life is all about. Now, in the moment I have left, I'm going to tell you why. It's one scripture. Paul is writing this letter to a young protege named Timothy, a pastor. But while he's writing it to Timothy, Pastor Tim He's rating it to me. And this is what it says. Command those who are rich in America, who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Pause. Look at me. Command them. Paul commands Timothy. And there is a call on Scripture for me to command you. Here it is. Here's my best attempt. I command you. Do good and be rich in good deeds. Be generous. Be willing to share. In this way, you're going to lay up treasure there's a firm foundation in the coming age. You mean this life isn't all there is? Oh yeah, there's, a, there's an age coming so that you can take hold of the life that's truly life. If you're not living on mission with God, if you haven't ever woke up and said, God, here am I. Send me to the mission field of my workplace, to the mission field of my, my school or my family. If you don't have that thing that lends freely, if you're holding on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. I command you to do this because it's the life that is truly life. You're not living until you've lived this way. Last point, there is more to this life than this life. There's more to this existence than the here and now. God has called you into his Missio Dei, the great mission of God. He's called you to be a Christian who's on mission wherever you go. The cry of your heart is, hear my Lord, send me. And friend, that's where you will live a life that is abundant and full that can change generations beyond your own. It is found within the Missio Dei. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. God, I know that you're speaking to them even right now. In fact, God, I just want to spend a couple minutes praying with them and preparing their hearts. And So if you want to be a person that's prepared for these two judgments, these two questions that are going to be posed to you, and you want to be a person that says yes to Jesus, that that says yes to whatever he calls you to do, if you're a person that wants to take your life seriously, that's you in this place. We'll deal with relationship with Jesus the first question last but let me ask you the second question if you want to be a person that gives your life away with heads bowed eyes closed if that's you slip your hand up real quick right in the air right now go ahead put your hand in the air you're giving your life away whatever you call me to do Jesus I'll do it Awesome God I pray for these many of these people have been Christians for years but now they're finally relenting control of their life God I pray that you meet them where they're at Lord, I thank you that you show them initial steps to trust and the freedom that's paired with that. God, I pray that they can be an example for their families and friends of what a dynamic life is lived with you. Now, turning to the first question again, if you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor Joe, I don't have that first piece piece—a relationship with God through Jesus, if that's you and you need to make things right with God, whatever that means, just slip your hands up and two three hands up see that hand right there thank you sir Sir, there another put your I see right there great job thank you sir anybody else anybody else you got to get things right with God anybody else now friend you can keep your head down I'm not going to embarrass you I told you that and you might have said this prayer before but today it's not going to be saying Lord Lord. It's not reciting holy poetry. And it's not even doing it just because it's right. It's you finally giving up control of your life and initiating a relationship with the God that made you. It's found through Jesus. It's making him Lord. So we're going to pray. The church is going to pray with you. If you mean it, everything's going to change today. Church, pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven you raised him from the dead this I believe so with my heart and with these words I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord I surrender now Jesus I call on you come into my life forgive my sin Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go... Love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.